you're still sitting there, I encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. If you would have told me Psalm 41 is a um, psalm to preach as a New Year's challenge, I don't know that I would have uh, thought of it that way, but the Lord made it clear to me that that is the one we're going to do today. I am going to tell you that this sermon is meant to be a challenge It is meant to make you uncomfortable. No, not really. It might, though. But it's made and hopefully designed and hopefully the Lord will use it to not allow you to be complacent. It's a challenge to have a better new year. We wish each other a happy new year. I have nothing against that at all. But uh, we usually don't have any instruction on how to do that. And today, I believe Psalm 41 will give us those. I'm also going to tell you, and you can be thinking about this as the Lord challenges you, at the end of the sermon, uh, this is not an uh, embarrassing kind of thing or anything like that, but I'm just at the end of the sermon, we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to say, if you want to come up front together, and we're going to have a word of prayer after the, the last uh, song, if you like, just come up here because you just want to bring something and publicly saying, I'm going to do some business, and I'm going to, you know, look at my life differently next year, I'm going to give you that opportunity just to take a public stand for that. We're not going to embarrass you, ask you to say anything, but to just take the opportunity that we can pray together up here and express your desire publicly that uh, you want others to pray for you and hold you accountable for uh, leading a different life, uh, a better new year. So this morning, uh, because I am going to, well, let's put it in high gear and go. Psalm 41 Point number one, tips for a better new year. Number one, help the helpless. Put others first. You want to have a better new year? Put other people first, and particularly those that cannot help themselves. Look at verse one. Blessed is he who considers the helpless. It's pretty easy to help out other people who've kind of got it going. Ah, They need a little help, but it's fairly easy to help them. It's fairly easy to help somebody we love and are close to. You know, we will go out of our way. That's not what this says. It's easy to love those who can love back, to forgive those who are easy to forgive. It's it's, uh, easy to help somebody that's trying but struggling a little bit. But this says the helpless, the one who is not able to help themselves. The poorest of the poor, the neediest of the needy. It will include those that you don't even like. Those that you don't even know. That's the kind of people. And the word that's used here, it says, it uses consider. What does consider mean? It means that, first of all, you have to have an attitude in that direction. Because when you consider something, you have to think about it. You have to get your emotions caught up to what you really know to be true. So you need to have the right attitude. You need to have some prayer about this whole thing. Lord, what do you want me to do? Because you can't help every needy person. Every helpless person, you can't do that. God, who do you want me to help? Well, why should I do that? i got to tell you, you want to have a better new year? It says, blessed is he who considers the helpless. I'll tell you what, I need blessing. How about you? <laughs> I need it a lot. I'm a, I'm a miserable case in some ways. There's no doubt about it. I need God's blessing. God says, you want blessing? 
consider the helpless. So you have the right attitude. You pray. You give of your time, your presence, your money. I don't know what it happens to be in that case because there's a lot of kinds of helplessness. But God wants us to use our time, our presence, our money, our prayers, our attitude to consider that person. These are people. Now, I have a question with each one of these. My question for number one is, and this is what I want you to consider. If you're willing to do business for this, at the end, if you want to make that public, you can just come up front and we'll pray together. But it's, when was the last time you went out of your way, at your expense, on your time, to help someone, especially someone who does not deserve it, or possibly someone you don't know? A better new year says, before God, that's what I'm going to do. Point number two is dependent on point number one. If you look at point number two and forget point number one, it's not going to work. One is built on the other. No doubt about it. Because the context in the middle of verse one is built on helping the helpless, having a consideration for them. And it says in uh, verse 1, in the middle of the verse, the Lord will deliver him in the day of trouble. Who is the him? It's the person who helps the helpless. The Lord will protect him. The Lord will keep him alive. He shall be called blessed upon the earth. He shall not give him over to the desire of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him on his deathbed. In his illness, thou didst restore him to health. There are special blessings by God given to those who help the helpless. I didn't make it up. That's what God says. It's a general principle. If we reach out and help other people, God reaches up and out and helps us. I don't even fully understand how it works. All I know is God looks at our attitude. He looks at our actions and our words and our prayers and everything else and says, if you're willing to reach out, I'm going to be right behind there. It's sort of like when we open the spigot and allow things to flow through us, God opens a bigger spigot allows them to flow back into our lives. That's what it seems like. It's step number two. If you will, uh, uh, that God will take care of you, you can rest in that. Knowing that you're not going to outgive the Lord. You're not going to outserve the Lord. You're not going to outminister the Lord. He wants to be there and he wants to reward us. And the day of trouble here is, he's saying, in those times of, in the new year, there will be plenty of these. In the times of evil, misery, distress, injury, affliction, um, calamity, disaster, discomfort, misfortune. There will be those things this year. Guaranteed. There will be blessings, but there will also be those. And he says, if you help those that can't help themselves, I will help you. God will take care of you. You can rest in that. You want a better year? Reach out to other people and rest in the Lord because He and He alone is the one that's sufficient. He alone can provide everything that we need. And notice what He said. Protect. He'll watch over us. Keep us alive. He doesn't say you won't die this year, but I'll tell you what, you'll be living up until you do die. You'll be called blessed on the earth. Well, I'll tell you what, called blessed on the earth, that means you have a good reputation. People look and say, that's a guy who helps other people. And you know what? Pretty interesting. He's not hurting too bad because God has taken care of him. It's a reputation 
God says, you'll have it. I'll tell you what, that sounds like a good year to me. He'll not give him over to the desire of his enemies. You know what? You don't have to be in handcuffs. You don't have to be thrown in jail by your enemies. But you can be bound up emotionally, mentally, intellectually, simply because somebody's got it out for you. He says, no, if you reach out to other people, God will give you the freedom in those directions. He'll sustain you when your health is not what it should be. You say you wouldn't have those kinds of things, but you would have God's blessing. God will take care of you in spite of and in the process of those things. So the question is, do you or will you, better yet, thank God every day for the blessings that he gives you? In other words, will you live this next year with an attitude of gratitude? Will you rest in that you can't make it on your own, but that God is the one that provides for you? Point number three, tip number three. God will forgive you, count on it. One of the things that's really tough in this world is people that don't recognize their sin. They don't recognize the evil in their lives. They, and they don't recognize that everything they do is against God when they sin. It says in verse 4, As for me, I said, O, God, o Lord, be gracious to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. He is not in any way, say, or shape or form saying, you know what, God, look at me. Look what I've done. I've helped the helpless. I've depended on you. None of that is found in this verse. It is simply this. God, I am asking that in my own undeserved situation, my unearned and unmerited situation, Lord, would you give me what I don't deserve? Whoa, what don't I deserve? I don't deserve forgiveness. But he chooses to make it available. He said, heal my soul. Heal me. Why? Because I have sinned against thee. All of our sin, I don't know if you recognize this from the Bible, but most sin is against other people. Some sin, like moral sin, it says the immoral man sins against his own body. But all sin, according to Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned. All sin is an offense to God. And we have sinned against Him. It doesn't matter if it's in attitude, in word, in action, uh, in our relations with other people. It doesn't matter what it is. We have sinned against God. And we need to go to Him before we go to anyone else and have his forgiveness. We need to confess our sin. The New Testament takes this principle and gives us additional explanation. In fact, is in 1 John, we know 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know that part. But before that, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. I mean, you, you just can't get there. God knows we've sinned. You've heard me say it many times. Not if we sin, but when we sin. Thank you, Joe. When we sin. Why? Because, and you're going to hear this passage a little bit later, but um, we go through life. It's not about salvation. This is not a salvation verse. This is a fellowship verse. 
We go through life and we get dirty feet. We get dirty hands. We get dirty mouths. And we get dirty brains. Emotions. We do. Why? Because we do those things that offend God. We sin against Him. And we need Him to forgive us. Let me ask you a couple of questions. And then I have one main question at the end. Are you angry at God for not allowing you to do what you wanted to do? Lord, I thought... And you're angry at God. That's sin. Because He knows better than you do. And maybe He just said no because you're disobedient or something else. Are you jealous of others? Lord, they shouldn't have... That's sin. Are you plain old living in unconfessed sin? You know you've wronged God. You know you've wronged others. You know you've got wrong thought lives and you're watching the wrong things and your mind is polluted, but you just keep on going. That's just plain old unforgiven sin, unconfessed sin. Are you neglectful of serving the Lord? Oh, you haven't done anything bad, but you're not doing anything worth living. You're not serving the Lord. That's sin. He's given us everything, and you're hoarding it. Thanks for the reminder, Sharon. We need to give out. That's exactly it. And if we're not, we're sinning. How about just disobedient? Maybe holding a grudge. Vengeance. Revenge. Maybe, instead of living in the joy of the Lord... You're simply miserable. I'll tell you what. That's a lousy testimony. He says we can live in the joy of the Lord and we're living miserable. We're not doing the God a favor. We're not doing anybody else a favor. We're surely not doing the world a favor. I'd say we need to confess those kinds of things. How about living for self? The world revolves around me. Acting like a little two-year-old even though we're an adult. But spiritually, what about me? What's in it for me? Selfishness, the essence of sin. How about causing strife? How about creating hardship? How about being critical? All of these things are things that stop us. And we need to come to God. God will forgive you. Count on it. He wants you to have a better new year. And the only way you can do it is living in the freedom that comes from being forgiven by God. But the only way that can happen is when you confess it to Him. There's no way to get around that. You need to do that. So here's the question. What do you need to confess to fully live for the Lord in the coming year? I have no idea. I don't even know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. But if you want to have a better new year, living without a healed soul is not going to cut it. Confess to God, forgive yourself, move on, accept what he has given, and live that way. Just simply live it out. Not a big deal, but it is the bottom line deal. Confessing sin, moving forward. Otherwise, we're living in bondage. Tip number four, God will take any vengeance needed. Don't seek it. Now, I've got to tell you, this next passage is one that is quoted in the New Testament, and it is a very, very personal thing to the psalmist David. It says in verse 5, My enemies speak evil against me. 
When will he die and his name perish? In other words, they wanted him gone and his name gone, his reputation gone, his memory gone. And when he comes to see me, he speaks falsehood. His heart gathers wickedness to itself. When he goes outside, he tells it. All who hate me whisper together against me. Against me they devise my hurt, saying, A wicked thing is poured out on him, that when he lies down, he will not rise up again. i tell you what, David's enemies were not nice to him. They just wanted him gone. That's what they wanted. David knew what he was talking about, because look at verse 9. Even my close friend, whom I have trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. That's quoted in the New Testament, and it's very personal to David. He says that somebody I trusted, somebody who I ate with, has lifted up his heel against me. Now, you go, what is lifted up his heel? I'll tell you what it is. You lift up your heel when somebody is down, and then you just jab them in the head. You kick them one more time when they're down. David said, that's what happened to me. His friend, his name was Ahithophel. By the way, you ought to be surprised that I actually got that out. I'm probably goofing up now. But Ahithophel was David's counselor. When David needed counsel, he went to Ahithophel. In fact, is it says that Ahithophel's counsel was seen as the very words of God. That's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. They trusted this guy big time. Now, you know that Absalom, David's son, said, I'm going to be king. I'm getting rid of my dad. He actually got people behind him, drove David and his servants out of town. Just chased them right out of town. And then, because everybody trusted Ahithophel, uh, Absalom went to him and said, what shall we do? And Ahithophel, being the traitor that he was, being that friend who stabbed him in the back, said, go get David right now. He's weary, exhausted. David probably was never at a lower point in all his life. He was just kind of out of it. And it was good advice because that's exactly where he was. He was exhausted and tired. He had just been run out of town. His emotions are shot. His mind is reeling. Go get him. And he said, oh, and by the way, really rub it in. Go up, put a tent on top of the, the house, and go in and defile his concubines. Let him know who's boss. And Absalom said, you know what? Maybe I better get a second opinion. And so Hushai, who happened to be, and Absalom didn't know this at the time, a spy for David. And so they went to him. He said, Ahithophel's counsel is usually very good. This time he's wrong. Now what he was doing is actually giving an opportunity for David to rest and escape and put some time and distance between Absalom and David. He said, oh, don't, whatever, whatever you do, don't, don't agree with Ahithophel because uh, David's a valiant man. He's like a bear. He's like a lion. And his warriors are like that. You go in there, you're going to get wiped out because he is just one tough character. Wait a while and draw all of the soldiers from all of Israel together and then go attack them and you'll just kind of overwhelm them. Well, what it did was uh, gave him opportunity to get away. You see, Ahithophel was a snake in the grass. He was a traitor. He had been David's most tr trusted counselor and confidant. And now he turns 
and uses his information against David because he knew what David's mindset was and he used it against him. He was a traitor. But he's not the only traitor that's seen in this passage. And I'm, I'm doing all of this because there's a point to where I'm going. It's quoted of Judas. In John chapter 13, you will remember that Jesus was eating the Last Supper with his disciples. And afterwards, he said, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter, being the guy he was, stood up and said, no way, you're not washing my feet. Jesus said, I got to wash your feet. Peter said, okay, then give me a bath all over. Jesus said, you don't need a bath all over because the person who's taking a bath simply needs their feet cleaned up because they got dusty on the road. The wash, the bath is salvation. You're saved. No big deal. But you have sin. Things you need to wash. I'm telling you, that's the way we are. Sometimes it's our mouth. Sometimes it's our brain. Sometimes it is our feet. Sometimes it's our hand. We need that. Well, Judas took what he knew and used it against Jesus. And, of course, you know that he went out for money and betrayed him and turned him over to the chief priests and to the Jewish officials. Both of these men, and you have to understand, both of these men literally came to the end of their own rope. When Ahithophel figured out what he had done and came to the conclusion, instead of repenting, he went out and hung himself. It says he strangled himself. Guess what Judas did? And this is quoted of Judas. He went out and hung himself. See, David did not take vengeance on Ahithophel. He had the right to do so. But he left him come to the end of his rope. Jesus didn't take vengeance on Judas, even though he knew at the Lord's Supper he was at the place of honor. The disciples questioned themselves. They said, who is it? They didn't even know it was Judas. They thought they, were, they knew they were capable of doing those things. Jesus didn't take vengeance on him. He left it come to its end. They came to the end of their, their own rope. And that's exactly what happened. Now, why did I go into all of that and make a big deal of that? Because there's one more verse in this context. And that verse is verse 10. Look at it. I'm going to give you what looks like not the normal interpretation. You have the right to disagree with me on this one. I think I'm right. I think I'm going the wrong, right direction. But there's an alternative to this. But look, let's look at what it reads. It says, but thou, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. Now, at first reading, it looks like, okay, God, give me the strength. Give me what I need to just do some real damage to the people who are damaging me. That's what it looks like. If you interpret it that way, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with your interpretation. But I believe there's a better interpretation. I believe the context, the two men that we just talked about, Jesus and David, did not ask God to help them to get vengeance on their enemy. The word repay is not a negative term. It's a neutral term in Hebrew. It can be used to repay somebody for good or for evil. So the term doesn't help us any. But the context does. I believe this is the same context, the same principle that's found in Romans chapter 12. It's the kill them with kindness. You see, at the Lord's Supper, Jesus had Judas at the place of honor. 
I think that's why it really hit him when he came to the end of his rope. Wow, I betrayed somebody that didn't do a thing to me. David did nothing against Ahithophel. But I think the real full impact of the betrayal just hit him so hard that he didn't, wasn't willing to deal with it anymore. The whole point is this. I believe that if you're going to ask God for grace, something you don't deserve to repay your enemies, you're going to kill them with kindness. Here's how Romans chapter 12 says. It says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. But it ends with this. Do not become over do not be overcome with evil but overcome evil with good i believe and i'm going to stand by my interpretation here that this is the context i think that's the one if you're going to have a better year it's killing with kindness it's not i'm going to get back at that person i'll tell you what that does That simply makes you one miserable kind of a person to deal with. You can't deal with yourself. You don't even like yourself, much less your fellowship with God, much less your ministry, much less anything else. So the the key is, who do you need to repay in this next year? Not getting back at them, but killing them with kindness. Not overcome by evil, but overcoming evil with good. I need to move on. Integrity is always the right path. Live it. Tip number five is verses 11 and 12. It says, by this I know that thou art pleased with me, because my enemy does not shout in triumph over me. As for me, thou didst uphold me in my integrity. Thou dost set me in thy presence forever. Notice, integrity puts you in God's presence and it upholds you and it gives you the privilege of never being in bondage to anyone. Because integrity is not simply doing the right thing or or saying the right thing or being truthful. It is truth and doing right from the heart. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Not because I'll get caught. Not because I'll get trouble. Not because the other person deserves it. No, I do it because it's the right thing to do. That's integrity. It's above the circumstances. Hugely above the circumstances. Found a story that I think really illustrates this. Young man, 10 years old, goes into a restaurant. He's got 50 cents on him. He asks the waitress who sets a glass of water down, how much is an ice cream sundae? This is years ago. She said, 50 cents. He's looking at his money and wasting the waitress's time. She's getting irritated with him. Well, how much is plain ice cream? 35 cents. Now, she's about irritated with him because she's got other paying customers. He says, I'll take the plain ice cream. She will humped off and wasn't still too happy because she's like, okay, here's a kid that has nothing, but he's going to spend his last cent. She comes back to clear off the table, and there's two nickels and five pennies. You see, this young man was a man of integrity. He could have spent all 50 cents, but he kept back what was rightly hers, the tip. That's integrity. Oh, you can do lots of things and get away with it. But integrity says, you've got a higher standard. I want to challenge you. 
Live to the high standard, the heart standard, the one you never have to look back and say, I should have done it a different way. You see, integrity is always the right path. Live in it. Live it out. Point number six, continually bless God and speak it. Speak it up. That's what God wants us to do. Verse 13 says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. It sounds like a lot of gibbly-glob in there, but blessed be God. From everlasting to everlasting. There's nothing, no one, any circumstance that's ever more blessed than God himself. From everlasting to everlasting, and it's true, and it's true, and it's true, and it's true. That needs to be our mindset. Our mindset needs to be that I'm going to bless God and I don't care who's listening. In fact, as I hope people, what we usually do is complain instead of doing what is needed. Blessing God. You will have hard circumstances this year coming up. You might even be in the middle of it right now. Are you going to complain or are you going to do something? One other story to close with. There was a king in olden times, that decided to see what his subjects were like. So he took and rolled a huge rock in the middle of the main path, or the main road coming into church, uh, to church, yeah, into the town. I'll get it out. And um, he wanted to find out what the people would do, find out what these people were like. So he hid himself, and these people would come by with their loads and all that, and they would just complain and, and mutter and, and grumble and all those kinds of things. But no one lifted a hand to move the rock. Finally, one peasant who was loaded down with fruits and vegetables to take to the market said, You know what? This is a pain in the neck for everybody. They took off their baggage, uh, their, their package and they went and they huffed and they puffed and they ro- rolled the, ro- uh, the rock off of the road. As they turned around to look back where it had been, there was a bag there. It was. It's a fairy tale full of gold coins with a note from the king that says, you did what's right. Instead of complaining, instead of grumbling, you moved the rock. And these gold coins are for you. The point is, we can complain or we can bless the Lord. We can do what we need to do or we can complain. But God wants us to have a better year. He wants us to live a life Not like you had in the past. I hope you had a good one. But you can have a better one. Because when we put these things into practice, when we put these tips in, and I'm I'm giving an invitation right now. Uh, Joe, come on up. Uh, We're going to sing. If you're going to grab your hymn book, hymn number 75, we're going to sing just the first stanza. I'm out of time. But I want to get, and I'm going to be up here, and we're going to pray together if anybody comes up. But... Are you resolved to put others first? You want to make that public? Come on up. If uh, you're going to live an attitude of gratitude, I'd like to pray with you. Live in forgiveness. Welcome. Let God take the vengeance. Overcome evil with good. Live in integrity. And bless God instead of complaint. As we're singing one stanza only, If you would like to just make that public and come up here and we'll pray together, I want to give you that opportunity. Joe?